Hi, and welcome to the River of Life Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. Things that I want to draw our attention to this morning and in chapter 6. It's a church that was group of people that were doing it, following God and advancing the kingdom of God and had outgrown their place and so they needed to build a bigger place. And while they were building and constructing and moving forward, one of them was chopping down a tree and the axe head fell off and went into the water. And it stopped the growth of the church. It stopped progressing the, the, the advancing of the ministry. They stopped everything because that church lost its edge. And a prophet came, and thank God that we reach out. How I many know oh, we reach out when we're in trouble? Got to learn to reach out. Got to learn to reach out. The enemy will, will try to stop you from coming to church. He'll try to stop you from seeking God when we go through our time. And they reached out, and, and the prophet came and showed them how to get it back. So I've been studying this, and I believe God has a word for us. Say, let's, let's read this story. It's a short story, 2 Kings chapter 6. And it says, and the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, see now that the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, go. Then one said, please consent to go with your servants. I mean, no, we need the prophetic. He's saying, we need the prophetic. I don't want to go and, and build a new building and, and let the church continue to grow if I don't have the presence of God with us. So I want you to go with us. And he answered and he said, I will go. I mean, it's that simple. If we just invite God, God will come. It's not a deep mystery. How do you get God in your life? You ask him. You seek him. The Bible says, seek me with all your heart. I'll be found. Call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and wondrous things that you don't know. Just call unto me. Verse 4, so he went with them. And when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. They were cutting them down. That's a little sentence, but man, it says a whole lot. They were doing it. But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water and he cried out and he said, Alas, master. Oh my gosh, he screamed out, for it was borrowed. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. So he cut off a stick and he threw in a piece of wood there and made the iron, what? Float. It's a miracle of God. Then he said, now you, everyone say you, pick it up yourself. So he reached out. And he grabbed his by his hand and he took hold of it. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's say our mission statement one more time because I just love it and I think it's awesome and I love when we say it. Let's say it. I am the church. I am called to represent Christ and influence others. I'm called to make a difference. I'm called to love God and to serve people because I am the church. Amen. Give somebody a high five or shake their hand or fist pump or whatever you want to do. Tell them how good they look today, and you can be seated. Amen. Turn the lights down a little bit, too. How about that? Amen. Amen. There's seven churches in the book of Revelation, and in these seven churches, Jesus had a message for every one of those seven churches. Five of them, it was not a very good message, but two of them, he commended them because they were doing it. And... I prayed and I said, God, what would you say to River of Life? And the Spirit of the Lord said to the messenger, you'll read that, the angel said to the angel, which is a messenger in Revelations, God gave him a specific message. I believe the message for us at our church today, right now, 2018, God would say, River of Life, don't lose your edge. Don't lose what you got going. Can I, can I preach to you today? Tell your neighbor, don't lose it. Don't lose it. Not just as river of life, but as a follower and a Christian, don't lose it. Don't lose your edge. What is, if you look at our church and if you look, look around, 
What God has been able to do is just amazing what God is doing. Pastor Steve and I was here talking Friday, just, just testimony. after te- I, I could spend the whole time up here giving you personal testimonies of all of you, one another, what God has been doing in your life, in your marriages, in your finances. It's amazing. In your walk with God, there's also many of you that's been hit upside one left and right and just been, been in the middle of a storm. So many are coming out of it. Talk with one sister. She said, oh, we're finally t- coming out of this, Pastor, and just begin to give me some testimonies. And I said, well, praise God. That family's been going through it a lot and being able to see what God is doing. God, God is just, just reaching and touching so many people's lives. At our Wednesday night life group, we had a special guest, Jessica and Christian Castillo, popped in on us, and they told us they were coming, and what an awesome reunion. We stayed till 11 o'clock at night just talking, and all they kept talking about was they finally found a church, and they said, it's a good church. It's Assembly of God church. It's a big church, and they have the cafe, Pastor. They have the, they have the cafe in there. They, they have a kid's section, and they, and, and, and they got, you know, and they said, they said their pastor, he said, he can preach, but he's not like you. Amen. No. He said, it's a good church, but it's not the river. And I love this. He said, but it's not home. And, and, and Christian being from Philadelphia, he said, he said, Pastor, now, if you know Christian, he's kind of a laid back, quiet guy. So when he does have something to say, it's really, really good. And listen, though, them kind of people. Amen. But he said, he said, he said, Pastor, he said, my soul has always been in Philadelphia. My body right now is in Indiana, but my heart is at the river. And I said, brother, and we, we ended up talking and praying, and, and uh, Jessica is making great um, progress, by the way. Keep her up in prayer. God is really moving. We prayed for her again that night, man. Felt the power of the Holy Spirit come in here. And I said, honey, when you uh, start feeling better, you're going to come back to River of Life, and you're going to sing for us. How many would love that? Hurry, come back here and just, and just sing for us. But she says she listens to the messages down there. And and, and God's just stretching our influence everywhere. I found out our, Melinda showed me the other day, she says, look at here, honey, your message, the messages have been downloaded 450 times, this one message. 450 times. I just found out there's people listening to us in India. I found out there's people listening to us in, in Texas. I already knew some folks in Texas. Now I found out there are more listening to us in Texas. I want to welcome all of our podcast audience listening to us right now in Jesus' name. I pray God blesses you through the word and through what the Lord's doing here. In West Virginia, in Honduras, they listen to the, these, these messages go out. I, I love what God has been able to do. He's opening up opportunity for us to, to not just pastor this church, but pastor the city. I was meeting with our chief of police and our public safety officer and, and a chaplain from Novi this week, and we got together and started talking about putting together a chaplain ministry that God has opened that door for River of Life to, to be a part of it. I, and just, it's just awesome. Can I just brag on God? Can I just brag on God for a minute? I get into the Word, just hang on. When's he going to preach? I'm preaching right now. Got this letter in the mail. You never know what it's going to be when it's one of those adri- when it's, you know, from a, a letter from a person. You know, you never know. Anyway, I opened it up, and I was so happy to hear it. Dear Reverend Eddie, he said, I returned from a trip from overseas, and while I was gone, I left my car in Belleville, and unfortunately, it was vandalized at a hotel parking lot. So that led me to take my car to Atchison Ford right here in Belleville, where I met one of your very enthusiastic church members. He said, I've been a pastor for years and of several churches. Now I have a ministry that is to uh, consult congregations, and he's even written books, to try to get churches to get their edge back. This is amazing. He calls, one of his books he wrote is, uh, Who Broke My Church? And I already had this message locked and loaded. I could not believe I was reading what this guy said. That's what he does. And he said, but as a pastor, I want you to know uh, that you need to know what, what this person says. And he goes on to say that um, I've, let a, I've met a lot of church members from a wide variety of congregations. But this one certainly is a very enthusiastic witness for your church and for the Lord. Since I pastored a few, then he's going on. He says, I know what it's like to get a good word about one of your church members who who is representing the Lord and representing Christ. That sounds familiar in a very positive way. And this very enthusiastic person, I want to give a shout out. It's Mary Band. She's not here. She'll be at the 1130 service. 
I can just picture her up there at Atchison, just talking, how you doing? Oh, and just talking about the river of life and what God is doing here. And I talked to another young man who has been coming to our church, and he says, uh, Pastor, he said, I've been getting your CDs of your messages for about six years. And he says, I just uh, been getting him. Mary's been giving him to him, and he's been listening to him uh, every now and then. And he says, you know, I put one in the other day, and it, it, this was about six months ago. He put one of those messages in. And he says it was just right what God was dealing with him and his life ended up ministering to him. And here he's coming to our church now. It's just on and on and on of what, of what God is doing among us. I think it's, it's really, really good and all the glory goes to God. But we, we have the presence of God in our church, people. God is touching lives and saving people. People's getting saved and they're growing in their faith. And, I, heard, I got a text from our life group leaders, and they were telling us how good the uh, life groups went this past Wednesday. One of them said, it's the best one yet. Just amazing what God is doing. On and on and on. But what is an edge? Don't lose your edge. What is the edge? The edge is the thing that makes you special or makes you stand out. It's the thing that causes you to win or to be successful. People have this edge in business. You see them at, in the corporate world. They just have an edge. They just excel in everything they do. They got an edge. Some have it in relationships. They just are able to just do it in relationships. Their, their marriage may go through things, but they got something in their marriage that's just as special that they're able to rise above it and work it out. They, they just have that edge in their relationship. They have an edge in what they do. You see it in sports. You got athletes, and then you got athletes with the edge. You got quarterbacks, and then you got Joe Montana, Ben Rothenberger, Matthew Stafford, then you, and that dude in Green Bay that almost got his hand cut off by a bit off by a shark during Shark Week, best week of the summer, amen. <laughs> Green Bay Packer fans seriously were very angry and tweeting against the Shark Week for letting Aaron Rodgers feed the shark, and, and I was watching as that shark was getting closer, and I said, God, I don't want nothing to happen to him, but... Um, just maybe a little nick on it right now. I'm just saying. Anyway, some athletes have an edge. You see what I'm saying? They have, an, they have an edge about them. What I want you to know is God wants you to have an edge. God wants his people to have an edge. So you need to write this down. This is so important. A relationship with God is what gives us an edge. A relationship with God is what gives us an edge. To know God, to, to have a relationship with God, to walk with God. How do I get that edge? To walk in light as he is in the light. Brethren, if you are walking in the light as he is in the light, then you have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you from all of our sin. If you know God, if you're living for the Lord, it, it will, he will give you an edge that you need in life. He gives us an edge in our church because we preach the word. We don't just sing songs. We worship God. We, Pastor Steve, awesome worship this morning. Just exhorting there for a minute. Why? Because we're engaged. We want you to engage in worship. It's not a song service and, you know, I just want to come for the preaching. No, no, I want you to learn to engage God in his presence through worship. God honors that and he blesses that. Let me show you some scriptures. In Daniel, look at Daniel for a minute. He said, those who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. Whew. Those who know their God will be weak and feeble and, very, and struggle throughout the rest of their life. No, no. Well, Daniel just don't know how it is to suffer. What? Read Daniel. He's 18 years old, and he was take 18 years old. He was taken captives into Babylon, but he refused to bow his knee to worship that God. He refused to eat of the delicacies and defile himself. He said, "I'm going to live for God in a foreign land." They gave him a new name, a new diet, a new culture, a new God. But he said, "I'm not going to bow down to your God. I'm going to serve the Jehovah God that I know, whether you kill me or not." That's Daniel. They threw him in the lion's den. And the Bible says that he worshiped God. Come on, somebody, you need to learn to worship right in the middle of your lion's den. You need to learn to just give him praise. And as he worshiped God in the middle of his lion's den, Michael, the archangel, I know it was him, because he's a fighter. He's a fighter of God's people. He came there and he shut the mouths of all the lions. Woo! That's why Daniel said, those who know their God will be strong and do great exploits. 
was reminded this, this weekend, 40 years ago, I was in a hospital as a little kid. I'm getting old. 40 years ago, my gosh. I was a little kid and I was in Wyandotte Hospital and they diagnosed me with rheumatic fever. I was in there for a week. And in those days, <laughs> in those days, I was like, I'm really, anyway, they wouldn't, let, they wouldn't let mom and dad stay with you in the hospital. Mom and dad had to say, drop me off. And I remember I'd go to the edge of the room and, I, and I'd kneel down and the, the nurse's dad, they put me right across from the nurses. I was six years old. And I would just talk to the nurses and, and talk to them all night and they'd keep me company. It was, I remember that week. It was just a horrible week. I had rheumatic fever. I had the symptoms. They, it's a disease that gets into your heart. It was very prevalent in the 60s and 70s. Causes you to be crippled by the age of 12. And uh, if you do live in your 20s, you're going to struggle the rest of your life. It's a horrible disease. God was working in my mom and dad's life. And dad was coming into the church. He was kind of struggling in his faith. But he got to the point where he said, God... He began to pray and begin to serve God. He was one of these people that knew their God. And because he knew God and served God, began to pray, him and my mama, it caused them to go deeper in their faith and in their walk with God. They began to step it up, especially my dad. He was kind of in and out. But how I many know when God, when something happens to your kids, you're going to pray and seek God. And he prayed and he sought the Lord and God healed me. All symptoms were gone. Everything was gone. The doctor said, it's a miracle of God. I was able to go home. I, I remember that. That's just a personal, that happened this weekend, 40 years ago. But my mom and dad knew God. He will be strong and do great exploits. And look what it says about Daniel again. It says, there was a, this is what people said about Daniel to the king. They said to the king, there is a man in your kingdom in whom the sp is the spirit of the holy God. He had that edge. He stood out. They worshiped all these other gods. But Daniel, he said, hey, king, you got a guy in your, in your kingdom who has the spirit of this holy God. See, he would defile. He, wouldn't, he didn't want to defile himself. He lived a separate kind of lifestyle, so the word got out. But look what it did. Then Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and above the leaders. Because why? An excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to set in him over the whole realm. Can I tell you, when you, got a, when you got the edge going for your life, you will get the attention of your bosses, of your professors, of your teachers, of your pastors. It'll get our attention of our city and of our governors and of our president even. It, it will go that far. When a church is really doing what we're called to do, man, it gets the attention of the, of the authorities and, and wherever we may serve. Do you know that it is the church that gave society hospitals. Let that sink in. It was the church that gave society hospitals and hospice care. In the early days when they built hospitals, they would give you medicine and, and had prayer rooms. They would ask God for a healing and he would do miracles. But if he didn't do miracles, God gave them wisdom to find out and to find cures and give you medicine. That's how our hospitals, think about that. You know, it was the church that gave society universities. Did you realize that? Because when we know God, we have the spirit of God in us. He gives us an edge to excel even in society. I'm talking about Harvard. Harvard and Yale and Ivy League institutions of today were all established by the church. There were revivals that broke out at Yale. There were revivals that broke out in the early 1900s, Pentecostal revivals where God poured out his spirit on, on classrooms and students that locked themselves away on the university, on the campus to seek God more and were filled with the Holy Spirit. Revivals broke out all over the, our, our universities are known for that. They have a rich heritage of Christianity. Jesus said this in Matthew. He said, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how can it be seasoned again? It is good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. But you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but, uh, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all that is in us. We've heard this scripture, but look at what he's saying. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and glorify God in heaven. He's saying two things. One is I've given you an edge to be different. You're supposed to build hospitals. You're supposed to build universities. You're supposed to excel in everything that you do because I, you are the salt of the earth. You, you are supposed to have flavor. 
You are supposed to be the light. You are supposed to be the ones that step up and bombard Detroit. And there's going to be thousands of us down there handing out groceries to people and giving haircuts to people. Who's doing that? The church is doing that. It's what we're supposed to do. It's too long churches think we get together and just have a Pentecostal picnic. And think it's just about getting together and just shouting. Look, I love to do that, but you're supposed to come to church to get filled up with his presence, with his spirit, with fellowship with one another. Why? So we can go back out and leak everywhere we go. Leak everywhere we go. Leak when we go to work. Leak when we go to our, our neighborhoods. Leak where you need to go. Woo, it's good stuff. And the second thing he's saying is don't lose your flavor. You are the salt, but if it loses its flavor... He says, don't hide your life. He's warning, don't lose your edge. Don't lose that thing that you have that's able to serve God with ease. You ever met somebody like that? You remember when you did that? Maybe you're here now and you're, that's you. You just serve God with ease. He speaks to your heart. Man, you want to sign up for growth track? You want to get involved? You're like, man, instead of dropping your babies off and running for the hills, you're like, hey, let me sign up and jump in here once a month, once every two months. See how I just threw that right in there? The Holy Spirit gave that to me. Amen. So I'm going to say, I might say it again at 1130 because it's that good. It's not in my notes. What happens when you're living like that? I'm talking about when you have the edge, man. You're, you're, you're witnessing. You're sharing your faith. You're picking up a piece of paper when you see it on the ground and no one's even looking. That's when you're walking. That's when you got the edge. That's when things are, are moving forward. But Jesus is saying, hey, don't lose your edge. Let's get into this text. Second Kings, they lost their edge. They lost it. And I love what they did. They, they cried out and said, alas, that's an expression of, oh my gosh, I lost it. I lost it. It was, it was so awesome. I felt the presence of God every time I would pray. I felt the presence of God every time I shared my faith. I woke up in the morning and I would just take a little sip of coffee. And sometimes before I even took my sip of coffee, I felt the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, you know that's the Holy Ghost. Amen. Before he, the coffee, he hits you. But I, I, I'm able to, 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 man, read the word of God. I remember when I first got saved, I would, fat, I would open the word of God and God would just speak to me. And then I learned about fasting. I remember telling my uncle this years ago. I said, brother, he, tell, he speaks to me so much while I'm fasting, I got to shut the book and just say, oh, God, just meditate on that one verse. And he goes, enjoy it while you got it, brother. This is a man that's been serving God for 35 years. I'll never forget what my pastor said years ago that he got into an airplane one time and there was a stewardess that said, oh, pastor, pastor Jack, how you doing? I go to your church, man, and I'm just so on fire for God and I just can't believe what God's doing. Every time I walk into your church, I just feel the presence of God before you even start singing and she's just glowing with the presence of God. She said, is it always going to be this way? He said, it's supposed to be. But many times it's not. Many times, the glory fades. Many times, even in this story, they're cutting down trees, man. They're doing it with ease. But all of a sudden, they start, they lost their edge and they cried out. And they cried out because many times you don't know how good you got it until you lose it. Twitter right now in Jesus' name. Hashtag, we are the church. Sometimes you don't know how good you got it until you lose it. Sometimes you don't know how good you got it until you lose it. Let me just throw this in here. They said it was borrowed. Can I tell you that the gifts and the edge that we have is really not ours in the beginning. It's God's. It's God's that gives you that ability to excel. It's God's presence. It was the spirit of God that was in Daniel that was able to bring him up in front of the authorities. It's God's presence in here that's expanding our ministry. We need to never forget that. We need to recognize it's not us. It's not you. It's him. It's him. That's why they say, oh my gosh, it's borrowed. What God is doing in our life is borrowed. It's from God. Never get to the day, well, it's us and it's what I do. No, no, it's God. So it caused, that ought to cause us to stay close to God. But you know that you're starting to lose your edge when things are getting harder. Things that used to be easy are now becoming harder. 
Look what Ecclesiastes says. It says, if the ax is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then the work will become harder. It's harder. It's harder to get in my devotions. It's harder to pray. It's harder to come to church. It's getting hard. I used to love it, but now it's getting hard. Now listen, there, there, is a, there is a time where it becomes hard for you and I to get words at, out of the word of God so easy. Remember I told you I used, the Holy Spirit would speak to me and I'd shut my book? Yeah, that, well then there come a time when that wasn't happening. There would come a time, I used to just read Proverbs and just, wow, just overwhelmed. By the way, I still get good revelation out of Proverbs. But I remember that there was a time when it was getting harder. Now, there is a time when it becomes harder, not because your edge is getting dull, but because God is wanting you to grow. He's wanting you to start chopping down bigger trees. He's wanting you to start going deeper in your faith. He wants you to start going to Hebrews, to go to James and Peter and learn why it is that you come to church and learn what it is that you worship. You got to learn to go deeper. This was what happened in the early church, in the Roman, the believers in Rome. Look what Paul said in Hebrews. He says, you have become dull of hearing, for by now you ought to be teachers, but you still need someone to teach you again the first principles of God. You've come to need milk again instead of solid food. This is what happened to them. He says, man, you, you, you should be way further along. You should be able to talk to people about the Holy Spirit. You should understand the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. You should understand, understand about salvation. You are, you are saved by grace through faith. You should be able to go a little deeper and teach the elementary teachings of the Word. Talk about doctrine and, 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 and to go deeper in your faith. But we've, become, we've, we've started to back up and become dull of hearing, started losing our edge. I'm talking about you, it becomes hard for you to just pray for five minutes. Should be easy. What did Jesus say to the, to the apostles? They kept falling asleep. He came back. He said, can't you pray one hour? He left. He came back. They're sleeping again. <laughs> Three times. He said, get up. And Peter got up. He said, okay, Lord. He goes, never mind. The betrayer is here to get me now. Read that. It's in, that's left in there for a reason. And I know we all go through seasons, and some of you may be in a season right now, and that's why I'm preaching this word. This is preventative maintenance message today. Some of you might need to just put it on the shelf and read it and listen to this message six months from now because you're cutting down the edge. But I'm telling you, we all have to be careful that we don't lose our edge. That you don't lose that, that ability to just with sharpness. And we all go through seasons. We all go through things that causes us to become weary and tired. That's life. Like I said, during the exhortation, that prophetic word that came out Tuesday night at prayer was, was more of an exhortation, more of a word about when you're coming into deeper water, trust me. You have those kinds of seasons, and what is that? That's an opportunity for you to grow. Show me the last time you were uncomfortable, I'll show you the last time you had a chance to grow. Faith is on, only grows when it's tested. And God won't employ you until you are trusted. Faith has to be tested before it could be trusted. That's for somebody. But there's many ways that we can lose this edge that God has given us. You can simply through being distracted and neglected. I don't have it up there, but in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 1 and 3, he gives a warning. Don't neglect such a great of salvation. Don't neglect this greatest salvation. You could just get busy, just like you leave an leave a axe or a sharp item in the drawer, and if you never, never use it, it will become dull. You'll get it out, and it just becomes dull. I had this axe in my, in my, uh, hanging up in my garage, and it's been there forever, and I went to go get it in the beginning of the summer, and uh, when winter finally went away in June, <laughs> that's why I don't complain about the heat. This is beautiful weather, by the way. This is good stuff right here. Amen. Keep this God all the way to December. Amen. Hallelujah. How many would agree? Get in on that prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Can we get some praise for the weather? Or <laughs> Mr. Gathers. Amen. I got that axe out and I went to go do some work. Now, I remember I sharpened that thing last summer. And I got it down and just cut down this little, this little bush. Man, and I got to hit that thing and it just bounced right off of it. Bounced right off of it. And I looked and I said, what in the world? That thing become dull just from sitting in the garage. I don't know about you, but God speaks to me out of things like that. 
And he says, that's what happens to me, Eddie. If you don't learn to use me, if you don't learn, because when you use me, you start sharpening it. What does the scripture say? Iron sharpens iron. Iron sharpens iron. You got, you got to get with one another and let that iron begin to get sharpened. You got to use it. You don't let it go. But another way, I was going to give you all these different ways, but I want to talk about how to get the edge back. Before I do that, this big one, though, I did write this down. This is so important. It's compromise. I got to throw this out there. Compromise will begin to call our, cause our edge to, to dull. Please hear this today. I could use Samson. I can use David. I can use over and over and over again men and women of God in the Bible who allowed a little bit of compromise into their life. Just a little bit here. Just a little bit there. Samson just played around a little bit with the ladies. I hated that story, by the way, when I was a kid. I thought, this is the dumbest guy I've ever met in my life. He would, this woman was, you remember the story? She laid, he laid his hair in her Delilah's lap, and she would say, oh, what is your secret to your hair, to your strength? I mean, what is your secret? He would tell her a fable. He said, it was if I'm tied down with ropes, then that's what it is. The Bible says he would wake up from a nap, and she would tie him down with ropes. I don't know about you, but that would be a pretty good indicator that she's not on your, t- on your team. Not Samson. He'd break the ropes the next evening after dinner. She would say, oh, Samson, where is your strength coming? He'd go, oh, well, it's if you tie me down with bowstrings. She would tie him down with bowstrings over and over and over again. He would do that. He was, well, he was playing. What, what is the principle in that story? He was playing with the enemy. And then notice that he began to start involving his hair. If you tie my hair down, see, If you tie my hair down with these things, I will lose my strength. And finally, he told her, she began to, the Bible says she wore him down daily. Wore him down daily. He should have got out of there the first time he woke up with his hair cut down. I mean, that's, I I can't believe that. I'm like, this is guy here, this guy. But the Bible says she cut his, she cut his anointing off. He woke up, and the Bible says he went out as before, but he didn't realize that the Spirit of God had departed from him. What? He lost that edge. He lost that edge. Judas lost his edge. Demas lost his edge, for he loved this present world, 2 Timothy. Over and over again, David, David was another one that had the edge. Man, there was just something about him that he just had that edge. King Saul tried to put the armor on him and said, you need to go fight Goliath like this. But the Bible said, I can't operate with your armor. It's going to interfere with my edge. I got to be me. I got to learn to worship God the way I worship God. I praise God the way I praise God because I got a personal relationship with God. It ain't like you. It ain't like my mama. It's not like that church. It's me, me and God. So he said, I got to worship God. I got to keep my edge, Saul. Thank you for trying to get me to be like you. And I can be mentored, and you're going to be mentored by people. I'm your pastor, and many of you, especially in our school of ministry, our leadership training, that's what we're going to do, is we're going to pour into you. But you've got to understand something. You are not your mentor. You have got to learn to walk this thing out between you and God. But David was like that. He had, a, he had an edge about him. There was a time when he cut off the garment of King Saul just to let him know that he could have killed him if he wanted to. And Saul was his authority. And he was crazy. He was crazy. Go back and read it. He had every right to cut off his garment and every right to do that in our perspective. But listen to what the Bible says. As soon as he cut off a piece of his garment, that the Spirit of God convicted him in his heart. Why, he was so sensitive to the Spirit of God that he said, I'm not going to do that. And he didn't cut it off. Or he did cut it off and he repented. But then you fast forward David's life and now he ended up committing murder and having an affair and just abolishing and just falling into big time sin. What happened? He allowed the sensitivity, the ability to sense the presence of God become dull in his life. And now he's doing things that he would have thought he would never be able to do. He lost that edge. He lost that edge. Churches can lose their edge. Churches can lose it, man. Once powerful ministries going forward, and all of a sudden they lose that edge. We can't lose that edge. But I got good news for you today. There's a way to get it back. Come on. I said there's a way to get it back. There's a way to get it back. There's a way to get that edge back if you want it. There's a way to get David got his edge back. 
David got his edge back. He didn't go around doing that foolishness again. He got, read Psalm 51. He got right with God. He said, give me that sensitive spirit again. Father, re, re, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I want to get back to where I used to love serving you, God. I want to get back to the place where I used to love coming to church. I w- remember he said, I would just be glad to be a doorkeeper in the house of God. He said, I want that back. And it's okay for you to pray that. You need to pray that sometimes. God, give me that. Give me my joy back. Give, give me my enthusiasm back. I want to be able to tell people at the car lot about you and what you're doing in my life. I want to restore to me the joy of my salvation. And God did. Restored to him that. He got that edge back. Tell your neighbor, I'm getting my edge back. Come on, tell him I'm getting my edge back. I'm getting my edge back. How do you get it back? It's simple. Verse 6. This is the revelation in this message. And I'm starting to close, which means nothing, right? Amen. <laughs> I love it in, in verse 6. They, they, they lose the axe head. Man, everything's going good. And it went flying to the water. And they're crying out, oh, God, we lost it. And the man of God came. And he says to him these words, where did you lose it? How do you get your edge back? Listen, I tell people this all the time that used to be in church, but for whatever reason, they got offended, they got hurt, whatever happened, they, they lost their edge. That's why I tell them, you got to recognize where you lost it. I said, you got to recognize where you lost it. In the Hebrew, in this scripture, in verse six, he actually says, measure the distance of where it fell in measure, go back to where it fell in and measure how back and how deep it was that you lost it. Where did it fall in? Where did it fall in? Where did you stop slowing down in your pursuit with God? What was it that caused you to lose your joy? Where was it that you quit reading so much? And you used to be on a Bible plan. You used to read and study the word of God. You used to share your faith. He says, go back. Take me back to where it was. Let me see. Oh, it's God. Let, let me know where it was, where it began to become a burden to come to church. Take me back to, because something happened. Something, and if you don't know where you lost it, you'll never get it back. And if you do, you'll end up losing it again if you don't recognize where you lost it in the first place. Take me back to that place. Isn't that what Jesus said? Take me to the place. He said that when he found people that got offended. Remember, you'll be shocked to hear this, but John the, I got a message on John the Baptist. I'm going to preach here in a little while. John the Baptist was doing it for the kingdom of God. He's the one that said, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I mean, he was the forerunner of Christ. But you read him in, later in life when he got incarcerated, got put into prison for just preaching the truth, for living for God. He got put persecuted and put into jail. He wrote a little letter to Jesus, and he gave it to his messengers. He said, go give this to Jesus. And they said, what does it say? And he said, just go give it to Jesus. And they went, and they went to go give it to Jesus. They opened it up, and Jesus read it, and it said, from John the Baptist, are you really the Messiah, or should I be looking for another? Is this thing really working? I guess no one's ever been there. this prayer thing really work? Are you the one? And I love Jesus. He didn't get shocked. He took it right in stride. He crumbled it up. He said, this is what you go tell John. You go tell John that I'm opening up blinded eyes, that I'm raising people from the dead, that Herod ain't going to stop me. I'm going to give my life, and on the third day, I'm going to overcome death, hell, and the grave. Go tell John he's right on track. Go tell John he was, there wasn't a prophet born among women better than John. You tell him he's my man. You tell him he wasn't wrong. Tell him I'm just getting warmed up. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. Woo! And then he says this, Blessed is he who's not offended in me. Why did he throw that in there? Because John got offended because he said, God, I didn't think it would end up like this. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, preach it. 
He was cutting down trees, me and Jesus. He's the Lamb of God that taketh away. Ooh, I think he was moonwalking on the Jordan. I mean, he was, he, was, he was feeling it. He was having it. And then all of a sudden, Herod, he says, you got your brother's wife. I mean, he was bold. And you walk up into the White House and begin to set things straight, no matter who's up in there. I mean, that's how it was. He went right up in the government and said, man, you all are messed up. You're doing this right. You're doing this wrong. I mean, he, he brought, that's what he did. And his wife didn't like that. She said, put this dude in prison. And then she said, cut his head off. And John knew that they were going to cut his head off the next day. That's what got him to study that passage out. Then another person got offended, and this was Lazarus' sisters. Lazarus was a friend of Jesus. He was a friend. Jesus loved Lazarus. He would eat dinner over there. And they gave news to Jesus and said, Jesus, your friend is sick and he's going to die. We need you to come pray for him. And your Bible says, Jesus purposely waited four more days. He didn't respond to that text message quick enough. Got the little bubbles above it. Don't get lost in the bubbles. Don't get lost in the bubbles. I know they read my text. How come they're not answering me? Oh my gosh, what does that mean? They don't really like me. What kind of church is this? They're not even answering my text. Don't get lost. Don't ever judge another person's motives. You have no idea what's happening. They could be on the side of I-94 changing a tire right now. That's good for somebody here today. And Jesus waited four more days. And when he came, the Bible says in chapter 11 of John, that Martha come running out, the sister of Lazarus. He done died. She come running out and said, Jesus... But the Bible says Martha ran out, but Mary stayed in the house. Mary didn't want to come out to meet Jesus. She was a little bitter, a little upset. Martha, she came out, and then finally you read in that story that she did say something to Jesus, and her first words was this, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Bitter, table for one. (laughs) That was a serious thing, though. I don't want to make light of that. With the tea. This is a close family. And she said, Jesus, I thought, see, your expectations, that's another problem we have. We put our expectations too high. Don't put expectations on any human being, especially pastor. Don't put them on, because what happens if we put expectations up here, then when they do something right here, we get offended this much. You ever, ever hear people say, well, the world treated me better than that. You know why? Because our expectations of the guy at work is down to here. So when they do something at the same level of pastor, you're only hurt this much. But if Pat, we put our expectations up here, Don's the head usher. He ought to be doing this. Bob is this. He ought to be. We put brothers and sisters up here in our expectations. Many times we put God up there. We expect God to do all of this and it's only good. Like I preached a couple of weeks ago, there's treasure and then there's trials. You should expect to go through the trials. But Jesus came and he said to her, he said, do you know that your brother will rise again? In other words, you're going to get your edge back, Mary. And they said, how? And he said, she, she said, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection. And what did Jesus say? Jesus said, honey, I am the resurrection. <laughs> and then he said this, take me to the place. River of life, if you are here and you've lost your edge and you're losing your edge, the Lord would say to you, take me to that place. Take me to that place where you got hurt. Take me to that place that you got confused in your theology. There are people getting confused in their doctrine. You can get misled. Take me to that place where wherever it is, fill in the blank. People, there's all different ways. Maybe you got that new job. I was, when I was in the hospital, God used me to minister to these nurses like crazy. And I tell you, there were two young nurses who said, man, I, I'm pastor, I, since being, since you were, she said, I don't take this the wrong way, but I thank God you're here. I'm like, I got a tube in my side. I'm like, what? She said, because I was involved in my church. Two, two of these separate nurses told me the same thing. Young girls in their 20s. She said, was involved in church, loving God, loved my church. But then I just got busy. I went into medical school, and I got this job, and it has me working on Sundays. And I haven't been in the church in six months, eight months. I actually haven't been in church in a year and a half. But being here with you and hearing what you're saying and doing what you're doing, it's starting to get me hungry again for God. And just with the IVs in my hand, I reached out and said, let's pray. What I I said is, take me back to where you lost your edge. And for them, it was because they just got too busy. And we begin to pray, and they got their edge back. And that's what the prophet said. Prophet said, take me to where you dropped 
the X. Pastor Steve, won't you come on up? Let me close. I'll really close if you come. And he says, take me to where you lost it. And then this is the revelation in the story. What did the prophet say? The prophet cut off a piece of wood and he threw that wood into the water and the ax head floated. Can I tell you the revelation in that story is the simple old message about the cross. The cross is always the wood. It's always Jesus. Finally, you have to let God resurrect it. In other words, you put Jesus where that ax head fell in. There's something about Jesus dying on a cross 2,000 years ago, I'm telling you, that still has the power and the ability today to cause your life to turn all the way around. There's something about the putting the cross over it. There's something about Jesus dying on a cross and you and I saying, Jesus, I need you. I want you to come to where I lost my edge. I want, I want you to come. I'm getting, maybe you're here and you're getting a little bit too busy. And that edge is getting dull. It's becoming harder for you to worship, harder for you to study. I don't know where you are in this message, but I'm telling you the answer is Jesus getting back to the cross, getting back to him, letting him renew that spirit in you again. Can you stand with me today? Remember of life, we can never forget Jesus and get too busy and, and to lose this edge. We're constantly going to give opportunity for people to get their edge and keep that edge there. Let Jesus resurrect that ex head. Let that edge begin to come back. Get there and just say, Jesus. Come on, just lift your hands to him right now in your seats. Hallelujah. If you got your edge, man, many of you do. Many of you do. Thank God for it. Remember this message. Find your rhythm. Remember this message. But for others, if you're here and you're like, man, I'm losing it. Or maybe you're here and he said, I lost it. I've been just going through the motions. That, that passion, I don't know where, it's been gone. But I'm, to you today, the Lord is saying, take me to where you lost it. Take me to where to find it right now. I just pray, Holy Spirit, speak to your people even right now. I know you've been ministering throughout this whole message. Take us back to that place where many have lost that edge. Jesus. Show them. We put you over it. You need to put Jesus over that situation. Trust in him. Just put him over it. Samson, he went down and he began to just all by himself begin to grind against that steel. But the Bible says this, with his eyes plucked out and being isolated and left all alone, as he continued to grind, his hair began to grow. Oh, getting my strength back. Some of you are going to get your confidence back. Some of you are going to get that anointing, get that joy, get that peace. Come on, get that fire. You're getting your edge back. You can't wait to get in that word. You can't wait to worship God. You can't wait to get into his presence. Your edge is coming back. That edge is coming back. Let that edge come back. It's coming back. Come on, let it come back. Let it come back. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you... Let's come up to the front if you, if you feel like you want prayer. And I, let's just pray and worship. Let's just worship together. Steve, you got a song that'll make it fit. I encourage you to get out of your seat. Come on up. Fill up this aisle right here. And let's just go out in this place. Worshiping and singing today. Come on. You need your edge back. Come on. Maybe it's getting hard. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's worship together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. Let's lift your hands to him. Come out of your seat. Come on. Come on up. Come on, hallelujah, I'm getting my edge back, getting my edge back, come on, hallelujah, come on.
resurrected me. I remember singing this song in that hospital. This was one of the songs on my playlist. I don't know you, man. I, I, I worship. I love worship music. Ain't nothing like anointed music. This was one of the songs, though. I would say, God, I know that the resurrected king has resurrected me. Let him do that right now in your life. Let him resurrect those visions, those dreams, those passions. Let edge. Father, let your edge come back. Father, just as you restored these young prophets, the axe head, and they were able to go back to work. Father, there's men and women standing here today that's ready to go back to work, ready to go back to the mission field, ready to get back on track the way it was, ready to go. Father, I pray in Jesus' name, you restore the edge to them. Restore the edge in Jesus' name. Restore the edge and make it be sharper than it was before. In the name of Jesus, restore, oh God, the joy of your salvation. Restore your edge, Father, in this place. Restore it to your men and women. Father, let river of life life never lose our light never lose our flavor father we want to be that church god in jesus name i just lift your hands to him right now say heavenly father thank you for your word today i need your help i take you to that place where i lost the edge Help me, God, to let it be resurrected in me. Help me to yield to you. Have your way in my life. And let that edge return. Let your strength return. Even now, I repent of all sin. I let people go that might have hurt me. I release them. Let that edge return. Come on, say it. Let that edge return. Even right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church, or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org River of Life Assembly of God A church of His presence, His promises, and all people.